We're at the end of chapter 20 in Shemuel Bet. I'm warning you that, that after this chapter, the book becomes very, very, very cryptic, hard to understand, to say the least. We're at the end of the story of Yoav putting down the rebellion of Sheva ben Bichri. The woman, he, he follows Sheva ben Bichri into a city of Avela or Avel. And this woman comes and she speaks from on top of the wall and she says, they used to ask us for peace before they destroyed our city. And then she says, I am of the peace, pe- peace people of Israel and you want to destroy a city? Why would you destroy the portion of God? So, so, and the, the Psukim describe her as intelligent. Now, we've seen so far three other stories which remind me or which resemble this in some way. We saw the story of Yael and Sisera. You remember the story of Yael and Sisera? That was in Shofetim. When Sisera goes in, she's, uh, he, he thinks he has a friend in the Hevera Keni, the, the man that's from the, like, the Keni people who are not te- technically Israelites. Sisera, the general of Moab, I think of Moab. And he goes in and thinking he has a friend and Yael puts him to death. She goes out and she, she uh, basically ends the war by putting him to death. Right, that's Ya'il. And then we have the story of the son of Gidon, Abimelech, who goes on a rampage, killing all of his brothers, and then he goes and he starts killing everybody. And he's about to put a, a city aflame, and some woman throws a stone from on top of a, a roof, or from on top of a tower, and she hits him in the head and he, she kills him. Right? Okay. And that was the story of Abimelech. And then we have Abigail, who... When David wanted to kill her husband, Naval, she comes up and she speaks to David intelligently and she stops David from his, from his destroying of Naval's house. And now we have this Isha Chachama who comes and she stops Yoav from putting the city to oh, the... There's no name? She doesn't have a name? No, it doesn't say your name. It's just Isha Chachama. Okay? Yeah. So now what is Yoav's response? Pasukav vayan Yoav vayomar Halila halila li im avala'im ashkhit Far be it from me that I destroy or that I... That I um, uh, swallow up, swallow up, uh, destroy, swallow up. Pasuk all right. Yeah. So the the head, you can give it. Him. The head, I will send the head over to you from over the wall. The woman comes to all the people of the city in her intelligence, and she speaks to them. They cut off the head of this rebel Sheva bin Bichri, and they throw it over the wall to Yoav. He blows the shofar. They leave the city. Every man to his tent. And Yoav returns to Yerushalayim to the king. And that's how the rebellion ends. So it seems like we finally, finally, finally have uh, some stability in the reign of David at this point. He's back in Yerushalayim. The rebellion is over. Yoav has come back. Amasa, who we wanted to appoint as general, is now dead. But that seems to be Yoav's does, tactic. Does David Anytime, know about that? Like, uh, he will. Okay. He, I, mean, he, I don't know if he knows about it yet, but he will. 
We're going to see at the beginning of Melachim that David's going to take action against all of you of improprieties. Um, but yeah, so that's that's finally we we see some like calm after after it seems to be like an endless uh, turmoil for David. We're going to have the next few psukim are going to resemble psukim that we've read before. If you remember the first time David established his kingdom, we went through a list of the people that are involved in his court. We went through like the chronicler and the generals and the Kohanim and this. And we listed them. That was right before the story of, um, of, uh, of Mephibosheth, son of, Yon- of Yonatan, right? It was right before that story where we said the reason for the connection was that after we learned about all of David, the stability of his household and of his kingship by telling us all of the people in his court, it's saying that he had established his kingship. Then David remembered that I now owe my promise to Yonatan. I want to support Yonatan's family like I promised him I would. And then that's why right after that he goes and he, he seeks out Mephibosheth and he helps and he tries to fund Mephibosheth um, against Siva's will, right? Now we're going to go through the same list. Which indicates that once again, David's kingship is reaching stability. So it seems to be like a thing that Shemuel, the book does. That the two times when David's throne is finally established, it goes through the people in his court again. Okay? Yoav was in charge of all of the army of Israel. Benayao, son of Yehuda, was on the Kreti and the Pleti. We said are archers and slingers or... There are multiple interpretations, but that seems to be like the Peshat interpretation. Kafdalet Adoram Al-Hamas. Adoram was in charge of the taxes. This is one that we did not see in the previous list. Apparently because he didn't need to charge taxes yet. Now he does. So Adoram was in charge of the taxes. Yoshafat bin Achilud Hammaskir. Yoshafat, son of Achilud, was the chronicler. I don't know, wrote the happenings of the king's house. Ushvaya Ushva Sofer. There's another name used in the previous list. For the sofer, I don't know the difference between a sofer and a maskir. I don't know, maybe Moshe does. With Sadok ve'Betar Kohanim, Sadok and Ve'Betar, we know are already Kohanim. We know that they were already helping David when uh, when uh, Absalom was, yeah, when they were undercover. So that's not news to us. Vegam Ira haya Iri haya Kohen le David, and Ira the Yairi was a Kohen for David. Now that doesn't make any sense because if he's from Yair, if he's from the family of Yair, Yair was the son of Menashe. Right? Yair ben Menashe Halach. I don't know, there's a Pasuk in the Torah. Yair ben Menashe. We know specifically that Yair was son of Menashe. So, how could it be that Yair, a descendant of Yair, was a Kohen? So, it must be that Yair was just a title. It's not his family name. It's not that he was a Menashe person. He was from Levi. And he was a Kohen for David. Uh, the or proof. What, what do you mean? Or he was from Yair and or, Kohen. Or, yeah, and there's another, exactly. And there's another interpretation that he was, a, he was from Yair, and Kohen just means he was an officer. Of some sort that had a respected position in David's court. Does that make sense? So, because they already established they had they they wrote Kohanim. Right, but it also is Vigam and also Ira Haya Iri Haya Kohen. He was also a Kohen. Mm. So then it would seem like it was a Kohen. If he was a Kohen, then Ira Haya Iri, the name Yair means it's not his family name, it's some title that the guy had, maybe a second name that he had, and he was from the tribe of Levi. There's no other way to put it. Uh, why he's being specified is according to the Midrash is because David chose him as his, his uh, designated Kohen to be his beneficiary. So David gave all of his, uh, his uh, Maser or his Masrot, which probably was a lot, he gave it to this Iraha Yairi man. 
ironically, the Chachamim then used that Midrash, that this was David's official Kohen for all his gifts, to say that David did something wrong. And they explain it for the next chapter, which, is ta- which talks about a famine. And they say the reason for the famine was because of this impropriety that David chose a Kohen and he was giving all of his gifts to one Kohen instead of spreading the gift to the Kohanim around, to other Kohanim as well. But anyways, that's the list of David. Pshat is that that list signifies that David's kingdom has now come and has been established and we're finally done with all the rebellion. The next few chapters, according to the Perushim, are not in chronological order. Right? The end of the book of Shemuel, not in chronological order. These are various occurrences that happen in David's life that are actually causes of a lot of anguish. Do you know why they're tucked at the end of the book? Maybe because they're not relevant to the, to the specific storyline, the, but they still want it to be chronicled. I think that's a Peshat, right? Same, same with the book of Shoftim. True. Yeah. True. Right, if you remember back to the book of Shofetim, that's a good point. I didn't even realize that. But back at the end of the book of Shofetim, we have these stories at the end, which are not in chronological order, but they highlight a very important purpose of the book, which is to show that Am Yisrael has devolved, and they had the lack of leadership has turned Am Yisrael into a wayward people. Right? Now, the point of the book of Shofetim is to, is to kind of crescendo into that theme, to show us that ultimately Am Yisrael needed, needed stronger leadership, in order to not be wayward. So that they saved a few stories at the end of the book for, of Shovetim to, to highlight that by the end, Am Yisrael was completely off, you know, off their way, even though these stories technically happened earlier in Am Yisrael's history. And, and this is showing you how kingship can also go wrong. I like, the, the, the nation divulged this, this bad period and they, therefore they needed a king and they yeah. needed someone to, to lead them. To lead them. Wow, that's so interesting. That's to show you how even kingship can go away because they can do things that are mistaken. Whoa. Affect all the nation. That That's very interesting. Like also, I don't know. I don't want to disturb your recording. But I want you to disturb your recording. And a, and a I don't know. What is it? It's like a difference between a recording secretary and an executive secretary. So a recording secretary would record minutes of every meeting. Uh, Maskia was someone that would, uh, that would write... Uh, sorry, Sofer was someone that would write down um, all the affairs of the king if a contract needed to be written and so on and so forth. And the Maskir is someone that would document it and hold it. Oh. Someone that held on to all the history. So Sofer was like the attorney? So, Sofer was like the attorney or someone that would, that would write, the, like the words indicates. Sofer. And the Maskir was someone that held on to all the writings. Was, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and if need be, he would be called upon to, to find... So the Maskir kept all the, the records right. and the Sofer was the one who, who, who wrote, who wrote, wrote the records. Yeah. Got it, got it. Okay, it's good to know. Um, it's very, very hard to understand. These next few chapters, yeah, very, very, very difficult to digest. Um, I mean, we could start it because we have a few minutes. But what they're doing at the end, according to Moshe, is, is that they're trying to show the, the potential pitfalls in kingship. Now, if we were to, now that we're kind of reaching like the end of the book, what would be the main theme of the book of Shemuel? Of the entire book of Shemuel? I don't know. No, I'm asking. There was a, there's once an interesting Devar Torah comparing the book of Shemuel to the book of Divrei Ayamim. Right? And see, the book of Divrei Ayamim is to try to, is trying to point out that David's kingship was, it whitewashes the kingship to show that, that ultimately David's kingship, meaning it's supposed, to, it's supposed to be a book of supporting David's kingship. Right? Now, what's Shemuel supposed to be? Shemuel as a book, as a whole, seems to be very, very open to criticizing David. So I think, it, I think one of the main purposes of the book is to show 
how gray kingship could be. Right. So that, that seems to be. Sorry, I'm finishing a thought. No, that's that's the end of my thought. It's a show that kingship is not ideal. Right. The ideal right. structure that Jewish people should have is that the melech is Hashem. Right. And, and then the Rabbi kind of says over the word of Hashem to the people, and the people um, are kind of self governance right? rather right. than like the kingdom. Then, but the people wanted to be like the Goyim, and they wanted a king. So yeah, now yeah. it's going to show you, okay, fine, this is the positives of a king. But a king is still a mortal human being that's going to make mistakes. And we see throughout the end of the book of Shoftim the mistakes that the kings can, king can make and how that can affect the people the most in the next couple of chapters. the book of Melachim is really showing you the downfalls of, yeah. of kings. Yeah, Not necessarily Sh- Shmuel. Shmuel, there was a... Great. There was a lot of greatness. Yeah. In, also, also, the beginning of Melachim will, will show you greatness of kingship. Right? I see them as similar... Has, has kind of like one story. Yeah. There's, it's a very it's a smooth transition, right. though, from yeah. Shemuel into Melachim. David is as perfect as a king can possibly possibly be. But it doesn't shy away from highlighting his flaws. Right. The bulk of the book is the his flaw, his major flaw, and all of the the downside of that flaw. Right. The ramifications of that. We're going to see more of that next couple of chapters. Very interesting. I, I knew is the we'll stop there, but. Um, I don't know. I, I'm never able to digest these last few chapters. I, it's, impo- it's practically impossible to digest them. All right. Amen. Amen. Amen.